You are listening to the weekly podcast of Greater Christ Temple in Lima, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. Psalm 24, hallelujah. There's a sweet, sweet feeling when you can learn how to trust in Jesus. No matter what you see around you, when you can just learn to just lay it all at his feet. God, I don't understand what you're doing right now, but I trust you. God, it doesn't make sense to me right now, but I trust you. And your prayer has to be, oh, for grace to trust him more. Psalm 23, excuse me, 24, verse 7. If you have it, say amen. And it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory, somebody shout, the king of glory, shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Verse 9, let's say it all together. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory, somebody shout, king of glory, shall come in. Verse 10, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Selah. This feels good already. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord who is mighty in battle. We're going to speak just for a few minutes. We're going to talk about this king for a minute. Is that all right? We're going to speak from the subject, the king and me. Not the king in me, the king and me. It was an old Broadway musical, I believe, and maybe even a movie called The King and I. But we're gonna talk this morning about the king and me. Make it personal, point to the king, say the king and me. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Father, we thank you for being our king. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for your loving kindness towards us. Lord, even though we don't deserve your grace and your mercy, you still love us the same. Now, God, bless us as we dive into your word. Allow it to fall on good ground and produce good fruit. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The king and me. The king and me. You see, this is a relational thing. We're going to talk about what is the relationship between the king and me. We give honor to the Lord this morning, to our pastor in his absence. How many are still praying for him? Amen. We know that God is able to walk into his room even right this minute. And touches. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm sorry, but there's something stirring in me right now. And I'm going to try to behave and do what I need to do. 
but I believe God is able to do anything. I'm just crazy enough to still believe God like that. And we're going to talk about this king. Three things that I want to cover this morning. A couple of things if you're taking notes. These will be good to write down. How are you positioned in relationship to God? We want to dive into this. How am I, ask yourself, make it personal. How am I positioned in relationship to God? The second thing we'll dive into and uncover is what is God's role in my situations? I want you guys to stay with me this morning. What is God's role in my situations? And lastly, what do I do when I feel God is far away? What do I do when I feel God is far away? So how are you positioned in relationship to God? Uh, what is God's role in my situations? And what do I do when I feel God is far away? Somebody say, the king and me. In order to truly understand and appreciate this text here in Psalm 24, we have to first get back to the basics. We have to dive into what a king even is. As you read that psalm, if you don't understand what a king is, then none of that will move you. None of it will make any sense. And so we're going to kind of go back to the basics. Somebody say first things first. I'm reminded of a story, and those who are football fans will understand this story. There was a coach by the name of Vince Lombardi. He was the coach for the Green Bay Packers for many, many years. And they say that in the year 1961, he came into the season. He brought his team to training camp. That's the very first uh, uh, interaction or practice that a team will have is training camp. And so in 1961, the Packers were coming off of a, a very decent season in 19. They did not win the championship, but they had, by many accounts, a very successful season. And so many people expected, especially the players, that when they showed back up the next year for training camp, that the coach would kind of just allow them to kind of just pick up where they left off. We had a very good season. Let's just kind of dive right back into it, readjust our focus, and go out and give it our best shot. But they say that Vince Lombardi walked into that first meeting he did not come in praising them for how great their last season was. He did not come in saying, gentlemen, we're going to win the championship. We've just got to correct this and correct that. But instead, they say he came in with a football. And he said, gentlemen, this is a football. Now, to many that were there, these are professional football players. They had been playing football their whole life. They already knew what a football was. But you see, what Coach was trying to get them to understand was, it doesn't matter how far along in this thing you think you are, you have to first get the basics. Somebody say, you have to get the basics. And so this NFL coach, coaching these grown men, these professional players, walks in and says, gentlemen, this is the football. I can imagine how puzzled they must have been. Why is Coach talking to us about football? We understand that. And so the story goes, he proceeded to introduce to them the concept of tackling, the concept of passing and catching. He literally took them back to square one. And they say because of that, 
That Packers team was one of the most successful teams, and they began a dynasty that many consider one of the greatest dynasties of football. They won the championship that year, and I don't think it's a coincidence because he took them back to the basics, all right? Let me keep going. So in order for us to understand this passage and to really understand when I say the king in me, you have to understand what a king is. And so, ladies and gentlemen... This is a king. Let me introduce you to one. Uh, a king is a person, uh, particularly a man, who rules over a kingdom. A kingdom is defined as the king's domain, which means an area that is ruled, an area or a people that is ruled by a king. Say the king is important. Uh -huh, I'm going to need you all to help me this morning. The king is the most important person in a kingdom. Nobody matters more than the king. Why? Because the well-being of the entire kingdom literally hinges on the existence and the presence of their king. I'm going to say that again. Uh, the well-being of the entire kingdom literally hinges on the existence and the presence of the king. Somebody say the king is wealthy. The king, particularly in ancient times and even in present day kingdoms, was often the wealthiest person in the kingdom. Who better to have the greatest riches of the kingdom other than the king himself? They say the king Mansa Musa, uh, which was an African king many years ago, had a net worth that's more than anything we can even imagine today. I think it was like 600 trillion or something they estimate in today's money that this king was worth. The king was typically the wealthiest in the kingdom. Somebody say the king has power. If the king wanted something, <laughs> he got it. If the king called for someone, guess what? They came. There was nothing that the king could desire that he could not have. Ask King David how he got in his situation. He saw Bathsheba, as I talked about a few weeks ago in Bible study. And because he was the king, he could have whoever he wanted. Also, nothing could happen outside of the king's command. Nothing, nothing can go against the king's will. If the king says a man lives, then guess what, y'all? He lives. And by the same token, if a king says a man dies, then he dies. The king has power. Somebody say the king represents. I'm going to say it again. The king represents. To be a king means you not only rule over the people, but you also represent the people to those who are outside of the kingdom. At the end of the day, the king was responsible for how the kingdom operates. I, I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. The king is responsible for protecting his kingdom. He has a vested interest in protecting his people. For if he does not have a people that are healthy, that are functioning, that are able to do uh, what it is they need to do, he does not have a kingdom. And if you understand this, you'll start to look at Jesus just a little bit differently, but I'll get there. And so he's responsible for educating his kingdom. You ever heard the, the term the King's English? You ever heard of the King James Bible? It was the king who was responsible for educating his kingdom. 
people. The king is the one who is in control. Somebody say the king is in control. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about what a football is. We know what a king in its very essence is. And it's okay to know what a king is, but you also have to know how you are to be in relationship to the king. I'm going to say that again. It's okay to know what a king is, and now I think we're all clear on what a king is, but you also have to know how you are to be in relationship to the king. Kings have the ability to move freely about their kingdom. When a king moves, everything, and I mean everything, stops. When the king comes to where you are, you must stop everything you're doing and show reverence to his presence and you must acknowledge him in one way or another. When the king comes near, there's a certain way that you have to act. Hmm. When a king shows up, everything that was in disarray immediately comes to attention. Attention to what, you might ask? To the presence of the king. When a king shows up, everything, all eyes are on the presence of the king. There is nothing that is allowed to defy the king, especially in his presence. <laughs> One may speak ill of the king when they are outside of his presence. Maybe you're bad-mouthing him. Maybe you're talking about, I, I just wouldn't run the kingdom like that. And you're saying it within your house. And chances are you may live to tell about that. Now, you may not, depending on who's listening, you may still find yourself in trouble talking against the king, but chances are you may live to talk about it. But one thing's for sure, you will not speak ill of the king in his presence and live to tell about it. There's just, there, there's no way that you can do that. Why? Because the king is to be honored. Somebody say the king is to be honored. Why is it that the king carries or deserves this type of honor, you might ask? Well, it is because in the sight of his people, the king is usually either one of two things. The reason the king deserves this type of honor and the reason that people will hold them to this uh, respect of the king is because they either view the king as an instrument of God's righteousness or the people view the king as God himself. Either way, you're going to respect this man. <laughs> pharaohs in Egypt, for those who, who know their history, pharaohs were considered to not only be the, the, the essence of a king in their land, but in their society, they also considered their pharaohs to be gods. They considered them to be higher than the people. We know the story. We know the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar was viewed as being a god. And how do we know that? Because they made it a decree that whenever uh, the call was given, that everybody in the kingdom was to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar. And so it's very clear that a lot of kingdoms view their king as God. You might be wondering, how does a person even become a king? I know this seems basic, y'all, but this is the football. We're going to start right here so we can really understand and unravel this thing. Many times, kings come to power simply by being born. 
They are made king through their lineage. In this type of kingdom, a people were recognized and established. At some point in history, the people were organized and they were established and recognized as a people. And a king was established. In this type of kingdom, the heir of the original king would continue to be the king as time progressed and so on and so forth. It is not until another person will come and conquer that family that a new king would be installed. Another way that people would become kings in ancient times and even in present day is kings would go off to battle against other kingdoms. And the king that was victorious would then become the king of that people as well, thereby enlarging his kingdom. This will make sense in a minute. I want you to fully understand that in the same way that Vince Lombardi said to his team, this gentleman is a football, I need you to understand exactly what a king is. Is. I need you to understand the power that a king has and the authority that a king carries. Because if you can understand what a king is, then you can accurately know what to do with him. <laughs> this is going to get good, y'all. I'm telling you, sometimes we think we know something, but we haven't even scratched the surface of what it is that we're saying. Sometimes we just say things and we don't even really realize the weight of what we're saying. Have you ever just haphazardly caught yourself saying God is able? Well, I know he's able. I can't stand it when I hear people say, well, I know God is able. And they say it just like that. Anybody else heard somebody say that? Maybe you said it yourself. I've said it. Well, I know he's able as if that's like the last resort or just a hope and a wish that, well, God is able. But I'd rather take the approach that the three Hebrew boys took when they said, we know our God is able. Now, whether or not he chooses to do it, that's on him. But we know he's able. We've got to take that demeanor and stop saying, well, I know he's able and say, our God is able. The Bible says to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think. Sometimes we just say things haphazardly and we don't understand the weight of the words that we're saying. Have you ever been talking to someone and they make a statement about something and you say to yourself, they don't even truly know what they're saying. If they understood the words they just said, their whole situation would be different. They might be right and might be correct even in what it is that they're saying. But the fact of the matter is sometimes we say things, but we don't truly understand the weight or even the context of what it is that we're saying. This is why it's important to be under sound teaching. You can't just say stuff. You've got to know what you're talking about. Mama Lucy used to say, you've got to know that you know what you know. And that used to throw me off. I said, that don't make no since mama lucy what do you mean but it wasn't until i got older that i understand she's saying you've got to know be sure that you know what it is that you know that may not make sense to some of y'all still but you'll get it and so when you're saying something you've got to believe it with every fiber of your being if not you might as well keep your mouth closed don't even say it if you don't believe it hmm We've got to be under sound teaching. We've got to study to show ourselves 
approved because we can think or be taught some messed up stuff. My wife talk, and I talk about this all the time. We talk about the things sometimes that they teach in school. I mean, they teach us, they taught us some messed up stuff and they taught us some useless stuff. And then we grow up messed up and sometimes useless in certain areas because of the things that we were taught. Hmm. But it is imp imperative and important that our words be not words only, but also be evident in our actions. Don't say something you don't mean. You can talk the talk, as they used to say, but can you really walk the walk? There was a song out a few years ago that I heard by the group called the Migos. Only a few of y'all going to even know what I'm talking about. But this song says, I talk it like I walk it. Now, I would not condone that song. I've never even heard it, but I've heard that chorus, that part of it, and that came to me this week. You've got to talk it like you walk it. Uh, excuse me, you've got to walk it. Let me fix, fix it. You've got to walk it like you talk it. That's, where I, that's what I mean to say. Don't say something if you're not willing to walk it out. Let me keep going here. Uh, sometimes we say things, but our actions do not back up our words. I'll give you an example. What good did it do for Peter to utter the words to Jesus? Jesus, even if everyone else forsakes you, I'll never leave you. I'll be right here by your side. I'll never leave you. But we know the rest of the story. Those words did Peter no good because at the end of the day, when the persecution came, when they were looking for people to round up who were with this man named Jesus, the Bible says Peter was in hiding. And not only was he hiding, but he became indignant when they said, aren't you one of them? Weren't you with him? And said, Peter started cussing. He said, I'm going to make sure they don't know I was with him. His words that he said earlier didn't mean anything because he was not walking what he says. It, 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 it is possible. I submit it is possible that we can sometimes say things with our lips and we can say, you know, that Jesus is my king. Jesus is king uh, over my life. But our actions not always back up what we're saying. Is it possible that that can be the case? And I'm not talking to you, as my father says, unless it's you, I'm talking to me. Sometimes I can declare things while I trust God. Uh, Jesus is my king. But do I really understand what I'm saying? Is it possible that we can sometimes proclaim that we trust God and that our hope is in him, but all the while not living our lives as if this is truly the case? People of God, not only is this possible, but I would argue that it is evident. Because once you really understand what a king is, which is why we spent 10 minutes talking about it, and what power and authority he carries, now you're ready to understand how that king relates to you. And that's what we're going to talk about the rest of this time. Once you know what a king is and understand that every space, do you know that every space, whether you know who the king of that space is or not, every space in every time has a king. doesn't matter where you are. You can be in the middle of what you think is nowhere. There is someone who is in charge of that area. And that's a physical space. But even in the spiritual, every place that your spiritual mind can travel, there is a king in that space. I know what I'm talking about this morning. But once you know that a king, what a king is rather, and you understand that every space and at all time there is a king that reigns, now your job is to discover 
Who is the king of the place that I'm in right now? You've got to ask yourself every day, every thought that you have. Let me take it to the mindset. We're not talking about physically. We know right now in the United States we don't have a king per se, but you know in Lima you have a, a, a leader who is your mayor. You know in Ohio, in this greater area of Lima, you have, uh, outside of Lima, you have a governor who is the king, if you will, of Ohio. And then we have the president who is the king, if you will, of the United States. But what about spiritually? What about where I am right now in my mindset? Who is the king where I am right now? There is one. I can tell you this. You're not there ungoverned. But there is a king that is governing the very thoughts that you think. And it is your job now that I know what a king is and now that I know that there is a king there indeed, I've got to ask myself, who is the king that's operating this place that I'm in? Uh, it was customary in old times that as you traveled, you were to find out who the king of the land was. Why did you need to know who the king was? Because it was expected and demanded that as you traveled, it doesn't matter if you were on a road that connected two kingdoms, someone was in charge of that road. And it was your job as a traveler to find out who is the king of this land that I'm in, not only so I can just pay honor and reverence to him, but also that I, so that I could pay a financial tribute. That was your job. It was your job to know who the king was at any given time, in any given place, and to govern yourself accordingly. Uh, because to not acknowledge or to not know who the king was never was an excuse to defy his orders. You could not plead ignorance. I didn't know that, the, uh, that, that King XYZ was the king of this place. That's why I didn't pay tribute to him. It doesn't matter. Chances are it's going to be off with your head. Or maybe it's going to be uh, that your caravan is pillaged and you're carried off to prison because it doesn't matter. Ignorance is not an excuse. Somebody say ignorance is not an excuse. They say in law, I used to teach a law class, and, and, and part of the law is you cannot plead ignorance to a law and then try to declare yourself innocent. It doesn't matter if you knew that that was a crime or not. If you broke a law, whether you were aware of it or not, you still had to pay the penalty. But it was your responsibility to be aware of the king and to acknowledge and reverence his existence. You've got to be aware of the king if you don't take away anything else I say this morning be aware of the king that is in the space that you're in when you find yourself anywhere in any situation ask yourself wait a second who is the king here and if you discover that it's a king that you don't want to be up under then I suggest you pack up your stuff and you move away from that place because you're in the wrong kingdom don't get caught in the wrong kingdom. Look at somebody, you help me preach it and say, don't get caught in the wrong kingdom. Who is the king where you are right now? In every area of your life, there is a king who reigns there. How can I tell who the king is? Well, just look around. Because wherever the king is, and whoever the king is, his fingerprints are going to be all around the place that you are. I'm going to say that again. Y'all missed it. Wherever you are, if you want to know who the king is of the space that I'm operating, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, how do I know I'm in the United States? Because I can't drive too many blocks without seeing an American flag. 
right? How do I know who the king is of the space that I'm mentally or spiritually inhabiting right now? Just look around. The fingerprints of the king will be evident. If you don't see signs that Jesus is the king where you are, then maybe you need to move somewhere else. Because maybe the king of that space, maybe the king of that thought pattern, maybe the king of that spirit that you're inhabiting is not the spirit of God. I see some of y'all's wheels turning. That's good. Just look around. You'll see and find out who the king is. His fingerprints, his influence will be all around. If your situation looks like hell, then guess what? You're probably residing in hell's kingdom. I don't want to discourage you and make you feel like if I look around and see hell, that means I'm lost. I'm in hell. That's not what I said. But in that situation, you are operating in hell's kingdom at that moment in that space and time. That doesn't mean you're stuck there, but you've got to move. Somebody say you've got to move. I'm preaching good. Uh, but any situation where Jesus is king, it will look like Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Any situation where Jesus is king, it will look like Jesus. It will sound like Jesus. It will feel like Jesus. Look at somebody and ask them, who's the king here? Mm -hmm. You've got to ask yourself that and don't be embarrassed to do it. But it is vital that we continually check whose kingdom am I operating from right now. If you were aware of the king, then you knew how to govern yourself accordingly in his kingdom. Once you found out, oh, this is who the king is, now I know how to govern myself in his kingdom. If by chance the king were to pass your way, if by chance the king were to pass your way, first of all, you would absolutely 100% know it. There's no chance that the king can come into your presence and you not be aware. Why? Because typically there were men who would go out before the king to pave the way for his arrival. Typically, there would be a certain level of pomp and circumstance signifying that the king was on his way. As we're celebrating uh, the, the passion and celebrating Paul, we call Palm Sunday. This is exactly what was happening in essence scripture was being fulfilled that Jesus was making his entry he was coming into his kingdom and that's what we're celebrating today there was a certain level of pomp and circumstance but what made Jesus so unique is he didn't come in with a caravan and with white horses He's, he, he will do that now don't get it twisted that's coming but that's at the back of the book but the first time he came he came in lowly and riding on a donkey unassuming those who had ears to hear and eyes to see knew what was happening, but the majority of people just thought this was a crazy man who thought he was somebody. They didn't recognize that he was truly the king. Hmm. But there was no excuse not to know that the king was near. When you were in the presence of the king, you knew it. And so by knowing that the king was coming, it would let you know how you were to carry yourself in his presence. There is absolutely a certain way that you literally have to exist when you're in the king's presence. 
want y'all to get that. There is literally a certain way that you are supposed to even just exist when you're in the king's presence. What do I mean? Well, depending on the time and the place that you encountered the king, and depending on who that king was, there was a chance that the, the custom or the requirement was that when the king came by, you got down on your face and you laid prostrate before the king. Meaning your face was in the ground, you weren't even worthy enough to look up and see him, but you knew he was passing by. You literally had uh, 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 rules on how you were to exist in the presence of the king. Some kings just required that you take a bow. Some kings just required maybe that uh, you stood and bowed your head. But the king will signify or let you know how you are to be in his presence. If you were the subject of the king, the king's presence signified a few things that you could be sure of. So if you were in the presence of the king, there were a few things you could take to the bank. You could take to the bank. Number one, you could feel safe because the king was near. Because if the king's near, that means that all of his forces that are protecting him are now nearby. And as his loyal subjects, you are going to be protected too. Why? Because the king was near you. Some of y'all going to start catching this. Because the king was near you. As a loyal subject of the king, typically you can expect that provision for your basic needs would even be met. Because as long as you remained subjected to the king, you had all of his provision as well. As long as you stayed inside the kingdom and under the reign of the king, you are and you were in that time, you were safe. As long as you stay within his borders, if you will, you're safe. But it's only when you fail to acknowledge the king and his authority or you wander outside of the kingdom that you can find yourself in trouble. I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself wandering outside of the kingdom and now you're in a foreign land? It doesn't look like it used to look. I don't feel how I used to feel. Well, the answer is because you've wandered outside of the king's domain. The moment you're no longer in the king's territory, you are now on your own. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you have found yourself there, maybe even right now this morning. Maybe not totally do you feel outside of the kingdom, but maybe just in this one isolated situation, I can't seem to find God. I don't know where he is. I don't feel like I'm under his kingship anymore. Well, I got good news for you. All you've got to do is go back to where you came from. Go back to where you left him. Go back to where you last saw him. And that's where you're going to find him. Oh, that's good for somebody this morning. No, God did not kick you out of that place. He didn't banish you from the kingdom. He has kept you. But sometimes we can wander away. Somebody say, sometimes I wander. Yeah, yeah, it's okay to be honest. You got to be real if we're going to go somewhere with this thing. Sometimes we find ourselves wandering. But it's not hard to come back. It's not hard to come back if you've stepped outside of God's will or you stepped outside of the kingdom and you don't find yourself in close relationship to him as you know you should be. All you've got to do is come back because the Bible says nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No, nothing I can do, nothing I can think, nothing I can say can separate me from his love. Therefore, I can always come back home. 
Let me wrap this up. It is when you know what a king is. We spent some time talking about what a king is. And then we talked about uh, uh, understanding who the king is. And, uh, and you understand how to behave in the presence of the king. That's when you can fully, fully tap into everything that comes with being part of his kingdom. Once you know what a king is, you know who he is, and you know how you're supposed to act in his presence, now you can tap into everything, all the benefits of being part of the kingdom. So long, saints, we have, uh, as the people of God, we have lived with a head knowledge of Jesus as our king. We have proclaimed that he is our king, right? Uh, or we've had a surfacey confession that he's our king or our God. But have we always put it into practice in our everyday lives? My father always says, how can I be lonely when I'm Jesus only? How can I be afraid when Jesus is my king? How can I have fear when the Bible says, and as, as Elder Gooding always likes to quote, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So why do we find ourselves in these positions? I would say because we say things, but we don't always truly understand what we're saying. This is why we're talking about a king. Let me show you something real quick. In ancient times, kingdoms were not always based on a location. Stay with me. Kingdoms were not always based on location. Oftentimes, kingdoms would move as land was being fought over. So a kingdom might be here today, and next month the kingdom might have uprooted and, and might be 10 miles away or 100 miles away. Uh, uh, there was a lot of transition and a lot of movement. If you were a loyal subject of a particular king, but that king decided that for whatever reason it's time to move camp, then your job was to go with the king. You would have been a fool to stay back and say, well, we've been here all these years. We've been safe here. We've been fed here. We've been clothed here. We've been taught here. We've been protected here. But if the king moves, then you have to move as well. You cannot sit back just because it was a place that you had grown comfortable in. You have to move because the location, once the king moves, the location that you were once in is no longer a safe place to be. I'm going to say that again. Once the king moves, it doesn't matter how long you've been there. Once the king moves, the location that you were in is no longer safe. Sometimes the presence of the king, uh, the very presence of God has moved and we're still stuck where we were simply because this is where we've always been. Uh, I'm talking to somebody this morning. Sometimes the presence of God has moved on to a new location uh, or a new way of thinking about a situation. And because we're so used to being where we are, the presence of God has moved, but we're still stuck. This is why the fruit sometimes comes back and we say, how did I get this fruit? How did I end up here? Well, have you examined who the king is where you are? The king has moved Sometimes the very presence of the king has moved and we still stay stuck where we were. And so it is, as I wrap this up, that I, I, today I want to introduce you. I've already shared with you what a king is, but today I want to introduce you to a king. Just as he was introduced to the city of Jerusalem on the day that we're celebrating today, the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, I want to introduce this king to you today. 
Don't assume that you already know who he is, but I want you to listen as I introduce him to you as if it's the very first time you've ever heard about him. Yes, I'm going to introduce to you a king, but he is not just any king, but he is in fact the king of kings. How did this king come into being, you might ask? Well, he was born into the royal lineage. How was he born into it? Because he is the only begotten son of God. How is he the king? He is also the king because he is a conquering king who obtained his kingdom by defeating the very kingdom of evil. He is the king of glory and his name is Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. And it's time now that we put him back in his proper place in our lives. It's time now that we put him back in his proper place in our families. It's time now that we put him back in his proper place in our situations. It's time now that we recognize him for who he truly is. And that is the king of glory. Society has made him out to be so much less than what he truly is. Yes, he is a teacher, but he's not just a teacher. Yes, he is a prophet, but he is not just a prophet. Yes, he is my savior. We like that one, but he's not just my savior. Yes, he is the lover of my soul. But he is not just the lover of my soul. You see, we've gotten so used to watering Jesus down to our favorite little version of him. The version that makes us the most comfortable where we are. You see, we've watered him down to make him more convenient for whatever it is we think we're doing with him. And we've done so and we've forgotten who he truly is. I appreciate the effort. I know you all have seen it. I appreciate the effort of the commercial entitled he gets us i understand and i appreciate what they're trying to do but it paints a false picture of a jesus who is nothing more than just our buddy uh, he's nothing more than just our He's nothing more than a person who will just accept anything and everything, no matter how vile, no matter how decrepit it may be. Jesus, he gets us. He's our buddy. He's our pal. And while there is some truth to this portrayal of Jesus, I'm not here to deny Jesus as an understanding savior and a loving friend. But as there is some truth to that portrayal, that Jesus is patient and he is merciful and he's kind. We know that all to be true. But the commercial does not not begin to scratch the surface of who he truly is but the Jesus that I want to introduce to you today he is a king not only is he a king but he rules over every kingdom in the world and if any life exists outside of the known world he's the king over that too and it's time that we stop limiting who he is in our lives it's time that we stop limiting him in our situations and it's time that we put him back on the throne and crown him king once again Am I talking to anybody this morning? Because you see this king that I'm speaking of is a king who operates unlike any other king. He 
carries the power and authority that conquers death. Yes. He carries the power and the authority that heals the sick. Yes. He carries the power and the authority that can regenerate a wicked heart. Yes. He carries the power and authority that can speak life into a dead man's soul. I'm a witness. I don't know about you, but he spoke life into me. And that's the only reason why I'm still here, clothed and in my right mind. But there's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that you've got to understand. He will not go anywhere that he's not invited. I'm going to mess with your whole theology. I'm going to mess with everything I just set for you. But he will not go where he's not invited. In fact, Jesus is the only king that we've ever seen or ever heard of that will only use his power and authority by invitation only. Every other king king that we've seen will act on his own will. Every other king that we know of, whether it is the, he will do it, whether it's the will of the people or not. But this king that I present to you this morning, he will not act uninvited. He is a gentleman, if you will. He will not move without request. But while all power and all authority has been given unto him, he has made it so that he is subjected to the very voice and the very cries of Sam. He is subjected to the very voice and the very cry of Sandy. When Sandy calls on Jesus, guess who shows up? Not a substitute, not another person. But when we call on Jesus, the Bible says he'll answer prayer. And that makes him different than every other king. He is a king that shows up by invitation only. When you call King Jesus, he comes running to you. When the king shows up on the scene, brothers and sisters, everything changes. Everything is brought to attention and to order. All noise has to cease. All chaos has to stop. All foolery comes to an end. But that's just in the physical realm when a king shows up. But when King Jesus steps in to a situation. All noise ceases. All chaos stops. And all foolery comes to an end. But this time it's in the spiritual realm. And everything that's in the spiritual realm manifests in the physical. So as I take my seat, you've got to decide today that no longer will I allow the king and all his power to be on the outskirts of my situation. No longer will I allow the king and all his power to be on the outside of my mind. No longer will I allow the king and all his power to sit on the outside of my pain. No longer will I allow the king to sit on the outside of my hurts. No longer will I allow him to do his thing with everybody else. And I'm sitting here suffering outside of the kingdom but am inviting him I'm inviting him in right now he's a king that only shows up by invitation and I don't know about you but I'm inviting him in right now 
I'm inviting him into my problems. I'm inviting him into my mindset because I know that if I bring him in, he's got to come. That's right. By the authority of Jesus, I'm calling on the power of Jesus to show up in my life, to show up in my family, to show up in my finances, to show up in my health and everything that I've built up to protect my myself everything that I've built up to insulate myself I declare that it's time just like King David in our text just as he said as he was bringing the ark into Jerusalem lift up your heads O ye gates and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors why did he say this he said it because he was making a declaration that the walls and the gates had to move. If you want Jesus to come in, then you've got to tell the walls and the gates that you put up that it's time for you to move. Why is it time for them to move? Because if you cause them things to move, you make room for somebody else. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, tell the gates to step aside. Tell the walls to be lifted up. Why am I telling you to say that? So that the king of glory he can come in so that the king of glory he can step onto the scene when you give the command for something to move especially something that you put there yourself and you say to the king come on in king we're rolling out the red carpet for you as I like to say I've got news for you you won't be disappointed you can't call on Jesus and he not show up you can put on a fancy meal at your house you can prepare a big feast for people but some people still might not show up you can get ready to go out on a date you can get your hair done and put on your finest outfit but you still might get stood up but when you call on Jesus when you say Jesus I'm making room for you lift up your heads on ye gates and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors and the king I said the king of glory he shall come in and that's just the first part but the bible says who is this king of glory he is the lord strong and mighty he is the Lord mighty in battle. You've got to know who the king is. And if the king in your situation does not look like Jesus, if the fingerprints all around you don't sound like Jesus, they don't feel like Jesus, then all you've got to do is say, Lord, I need you to come back into my situation. I'm moving out the way. I'm lifting up the gates. I'm moving off the walls so that the king of glory can come in. If you believe it, somebody open up your mouth and give God a prayer. Hallelujah. He is the Lord. You may be seated. He is the Lord, strong and mighty. Woo. You see, once you lift up the gates, you command those gates to lift. You command those walls to move. And you say, Jesus, come on in. What I notice about this, this text, 
is nowhere in the text does it say that David actually asked God to come in. Notice this real quick. I'm through. Notice this. But David gave a command not to God, but he gave a command to the gates. And he said, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall. What that lets me know is all you've got to do is move the obstacles that you've built out of the way and God will come in. We don't serve a king that we have to be summoned to. In the old days, the only way to get into the king's presence was one of two ways. Either you had to be invited or you had to haphazardly be in the path that the king was traveling. That's the only way. The second one was very rare. How often were you going to know where the king was going to be? Were you going to be able to just be in his path as he traveled? So the, the, the way that you typically got a meeting with the king or got in his presence was you had to be invited. That's the only way. Now, one thing you could not do was show up in the king's court uninvited. Ask Queen Esther. This is where we get the line, if I perish, I perish. She knew she had to go to the king to get him a vital message. She was his wife. She was the queen. But even the queen could not show up in the king's presence uninvited and live to tell about it unless the king had mercy on that person. I say all that to say this. Aren't you glad we don't serve a king like that? <laughs> I don't have to get invited to show for God to, for, for me to be in his presence. I invite him. He shows up where I invite him. It's the complete opposite of how kings typically work. Yeah, he is a great God. He is the king of kings. He's the king of glory. And wherever I invite him to come, that's where he's going to come. And that's my challenge to you today. Whatever situation that you have where you feel like Jesus may not be the king, in this certain place that I'm in. That doesn't mean Jesus isn't the king over your life. It doesn't mean that you're lost or you're unsaved. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have crowned him king in your life, there still can be times that you find yourself in places where he's not the operating king in a certain place of your mind or of your spirit. Sometimes we build up walls. Sometimes we invite things in unaware. And then we're wondering why this doesn't feel like the kingdom. Why does this feel like something else? Because it is. But all you've got to do is tell those walls, tell those gates like David did. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. He's commanding things to move. And when he commands those things to move, he was bringing God with him. They were actually carrying the ark into Jerusalem so it would have a resting place. So David was bringing God with him and he was clearing the path as he was going. I challenge you, clear any obstacles that may be keeping your testimony from being it's the king and me. I don't care who else it is. I don't care. You can have your mighty men. You can have your traditions. You can have your practices. You can have your education, your wisdom, your wealth. You can have all of it. But for me, it's just the king and me. That's all it is. And as long as I have the king, I heard the song say, Vicki White said, long as I got King Jesus. It wasn't good English, but she said, long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. And that's my testimony. That's my prayer for you. Can you say in every situation that you're in, it's just the king in me. All hell may be breaking loose, but it's just the king in me. As long as I'm near the king, I'm safe. 
As long as I'm near the king, I'm provided for. As long as I'm near the king, I have peace. And that's my prayer for each of us this morning. That by the end of this service, when you leave, you can strongly and confidently say, when I walked into service this morning, it was just me trying to deal with stuff. I'm preaching to myself. I don't know who else I'm preaching to. But sometimes, especially the last couple of months, I felt like it's just me dealing with things. I know I get encouraged, different people, they give me a word and say, you're not by yourself, right? We're here with you. And I appreciate that and I believe that. But still, sometime in the middle of the night, when you start to weigh everything and think, you feel like it's just you. And so I'm preaching to myself. I got to lift up the gates. I've got to move the walls so that the king of glory can come in. And I can say, it's just the king and me. Nobody else. Put your hands together. Not for me. Put your hands together for the word. It is just the king in me. At this time, if you desire prayer, maybe you're struggling with a situation. Maybe you find yourself outside of the kingdom. You look around and you don't see anything that really resembles God. You don't see anything that feels like God, sounds like God, smells like God, tastes like God. It seems like something else. Now's the time to come and to lay that at the feet of Jesus, hallelujah, and to say, God, I've been outside of the kingdom. You moved and I didn't. You moved and instead I put up walls and I put up gates and I put up insulation to try to protect myself where I was comfortable. We talked about comfort a few, uh, about a month ago now. Comfort will kill you. And sometimes we put up gates and walls to protect us in our comfort. When God has already moved somewhere else, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Talk to those gates in your mind, in your spirit, so that the king of glory can come in. And when he comes in, everything's going to change. There's no way a king can enter a room and everything doesn't change. Let me rephrase that. There's no way a king can enter a room and everything stay the same. There's no way. So if you're looking for a change in your life, if you're looking for a change in your mind, if you're looking for a change in, in how you feel, maybe you feel hopeless today. I've battled with that. I'll be transparent. Y'all know I don't mind being transparent. I've battled the last few months on sometimes feeling hopeless in different things. And so I've had to realize, wait a second, the God or the king rather of hopelessness is not Jesus. Some of y'all that'll make sense and that might help you later this week. If you feel hopeless or if you're feeling despair, remember the question I told you to ask yourself, who's the king of this place I'm in right now? And it can change from moment to moment. If I'm feeling down in the dumps, I'm feeling like I'm not worth anything. I'm feeling like nothing's going to ever change for me. Who is the king of that thought? Ask yourself. And I guarantee you, if you look around long enough, you'll figure it out. And then you know what to do. This is the last call if you desire prayer. We're celebrating the week that Jesus made his entry. And I just wanted to introduce him to you in a new way. I was introducing him to myself as God was giving me this. I was getting a new revelation of who Jesus is to me in this season. I knew who he was to me last season. 
but did I really understand who is Jesus to me in this season? You almost have to ask yourself that daily. Who is Jesus to me right now? Who is the king in my world right now? Hallelujah. The king in me. Make that your declaration. In every area of my life, it's just the king and it's me. It's the king and it's me. And now that you know what a king is, because we broke it down. We talked about, gentlemen, this is a football. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a king. I showed him to you. I laid him out. I broke him down for you. Now that you understand what comes with being in the presence of a king, there's nothing, nothing that can stand against you. Not a devil in hell. Not a person. Not a disposition, not a mindset, not a situation can stand in the presence of the king of glory. It's just the king in me. You can have the entire world. Just give me Jesus. And I'll be all right. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.